0: Well, hi, everyone, and um, we are, at the moment, uh, doing a a series on prayer. And so uh, there's this first part of 2023. uh, We're doing this series called Teach Us to Pray. Uh, And this echoes the words of Jesus' early friends and followers, particularly in Luke's gospel. You know, these were Jewish men and women who had actually grown up praying all their lives. But actually, as they were watching Jesus live, as they were watching kind of Jesus, the way that Jesus related to, to God, they realised that kind of despite well, knowing how to pray, they recognised there was kind of something more, there was something deeper, there's something they saw in Jesus that they really wanted him to, uh, to teach them about. And what's really interesting about Jesus' response to this request, teach us to pray, is that he didn't give them a big theology textbook. He didn't kind of give them an online course to do. He didn't give them a kind of a 16-part lecture series. What he did, they say, teach us to pray. And he starts praying. And he starts praying. And actually for us, that is what prayer week has been all about. And I hope that you've really um, enjoyed it this week. Because we're all learners when it comes to prayer. We can all get better at it we can all go deeper but you know the best way to do that the best way to learn to pray is to go ahead and do it is to to pray to give it a go and then give it a go a little bit more and that's what prayer week's been about to chat to God about anything and everything and take a chance to listen and see you know what is it God that you want to chat to us about but in praying the Lord's uh, prayer Uh, Jesus also gave us this incredibly helpful template, the Lord's Prayer. um, This is from Matthew's Gospel. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, the Lord's Prayer Um, Actually, it's great to say the Lord's Prayer as it is, but actually it models many kind of different aspects of prayer that we can really kind of go deeper in and explore further. And that's what this series is all about. And, And last week when Dave was with us, he helped unpack the very first words there, our Father. We explored how incredible it is to be able to pray with such closeness and in a position of kind of such love and Security, as when we pray to to our Father God. And now what we're going to do is we're going to come on to the asking part of prayer. And and actually next week, we're going to be thinking a bit about prayer for our daily bread. It's the most incredible thing to be able to come right before the King of the Universe and talk to him about our very smallest um, and most basic needs. And actually, you know what, something Dave said last week, we never need to shy away from doing that. It's never something we need to feel ashamed of, to come towards God and ask him for what we need. But today... We're thinking about a whole other dimension of prayer. Today we are thinking about, "Your kingdom come, Your will be done on Earth as it is in heaven." You know when we pray, "Your kingdom come," we're shifting our focus away from our own needs and onto the needs of, of other people and the, the needs of the world around us. You know there's a guy called Richard Foster. Um, Now, you you know you've got to listen to someone who sits in a field and has a long gaze off into the distance. You you know that they're going to carry a bit of authority. don't You You know that they're going to be... He's just about to sing. Do you think he's just about to sing? Looks like he's just about to sing, isn't he? But he, he says this. If we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer prayer is a way of loving others we we call on God and we say for this person for this situation for for this relationship for this country we need you bring about change show your power O God and in this aspect of the Lord's prayer Jesus is teaching us to realize that our prayers are vastly powerful and our prayers are vastly powerful because the one to whom we pray is vastly powerful. If you've been using the, um, the prayer guide uh, this week, one of these, um, not just for this week, you can use it any week. But if you've been using that this week, you would have noticed uh, this, this quote from Mother Teresa, um, which I can't read on the screen. So I'm going to refer to my notes. It says, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. You know, the thing is, nothing changes the world like prayer changes the world. Let's just listen to this story for a minute.
1: Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a member of our church called Jonathan, who's not like some big prayer warrior guy. He's, he works in, in London, in the city. He, he was just telling me he'd gone in very early to work for a meeting near Parliament, back in August, on August 14th. And as he walked the streets, he was remembering how we had a terror attack on, in that part of, of, of London last year. It was terrible, 50 people um, were, were injured, five were killed. And as he thought about it, he just became really, really troubled and began to pray for protection and safety on all the people like walking the streets and the offices around and parliament and so on. And it was so strong that he actually ended up walking in those streets for an hour, praying and thinking, is this crazy? Like, what's going on? Why do I feel so troubled? It's not something he'd normally do. By 7.30 a.m., he ran out of stuff to pray about, checked into a coffee shop, sat down to drink coffee, seven minutes later, a terrorist drove into pedestrians just 100 yards from where Jonathan was sitting. And obviously we'll never know whether, you know, his intercession had that direct sort of impact, but what we do know is that in the previous attack, last year, um, there were 50 injured and five killed. This time there were only three people left with very minor injuries, no one killed, and there just happened to be an ambulance driving right behind the terrorist's car. So people got attention instantly. And what's more than that, CCTV footage revealed that the terrorist had been driving those very streets for the hour before the attack, and had almost certainly driven past Jonathan, who was interceding against that attack. Wow. And then it gets more amazing because then Jonathan's wife Linda said to me that morning, she was woken early at home. She said, I never wake up early, but I woke up early with this sense I need to pray for Jonathan's protection on his way to work. And so uh, you can think that's coincidence if you want, but I think that's how God often uses us to intercede to make a difference.
0: I don't know what you uh, make of that, but you know there are countless stories all over the world of, of God answering prayer and God doing amazing things. Uh, you might have your own stories. How many people here have had a, a story of, kind of God answering a prayer that they prayed for someone else? Or perhaps a, a, someone else praying for you in answer prayer? Yeah. Great. You know, about two years ago, I had a frozen shoulder, this shoulder here, I had a frozen sho- left shoulder and I'd had it for several months. And I was struggling to even kind of lift my left arm higher than that. I was kind of, I just wasn't able to, to do that because it was so painful. And I had this really helpful appointment with a consultant. And and actually, they gave me some some great exercises. And they they told me that if I kept doing these exercises regularly, there may be, you know, we might see a little bit of a shift in about six six months to two years, something like that. You know, sort of gradual improvement. But then someone at Highgrove during a service, in fact, they were watching a service online, and they they kind of felt nudged by God to pray for someone, for healing, for someone who had a painful shoulder. And I thought to myself, hey, I I think that's me. Do you know what, the the next day, my shoulder was 90% better. By the end of the week, I had full mobility back and I could could do that again and full kind of movement. You know, as far as I understand it, frozen shoulders don't just kind of get better all of a sudden. Um, but, you know, for me, I've no doubt that God answered that prayer that someone else prayed for me. And that's so many people's experience. What does it mean, though, when, when Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Jesus talked loads about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven as it's um, in Matthew's gospel. And, you know, when when we think about kingdom, I I don't know what you think about when you think about kingdom. It might be kind of Lord of the Rings. Um, It it might be, you know, the Lion, the Witch of the Wardrobe. It might be something like that. Actually, it might be when you think about kingdom, you think about territory. You think about a physical place on earth. It might be that you're kind of thinking about kind of a legal jurisdiction, a kind of an area of authority or sovereignty. Um, But for the people who are listening to Jesus' words here as he prayed, you know, probably, they're there with their kind of Jewish mindset. What what they're thinking about is the kingdom of Israel. They're thinking about the the promises that God made to their ancestor Abraham, about, about the promised land, about this kind of area that would be a special place. But they were also thinking about the fact that their territory was under Roman occupation. They would have been thinking about, you know, the the system of of Jewish rules and regulations, they'd have been thinking about their way of life. And it would have reminded them that that actually, you know, we're we're longing for a Messiah to come and and overthrow the Romans so that this occupation would end, so that we would be free again and we would have our land. For most of them, that's what the kingdom of God uh, meant to them. But another way to think about kingdom is this, that a kingdom is wherever a king rules. Kingdom is wherever a king rules. When Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, he was saying that kingdom is kingdom where God rules and he reigns. That that actually kingdom is kingdom wherever God's will is being carried out. Whether that's in a place, whether that's in a situation, whether that's in a human heart. Kingdom is kingdom wherever God rules and reigns. And I think the kingdom of God is wherever things are the way that God wants them to be. Wherever things are the way God wants them to be. And so I I guess one of the the obvious questions for us to ask today is as we look around us, are things the way God wants them to be? What do you reckon? We're going to go a nod or we're going to go a shake? Are things the way that God wants them to be? Is God's will being done on earth? as it is in heaven. Does sea mills look like heaven? Does your workplace look like heaven? Does the NHS look like heaven? Does government, does, does education, does family life look like heaven? And so, you know, we kind of ask ourselves, don't we, if God's will is being done, then why is life such a struggle? You know, why is it that innocent people are suffering in this world? Why is it that thousands of people die every day across the world from preventable diseases? Why is it that there's so much racial violence and and division around the world? How can it be that this is the way God wants them? To be. And actually, for lots of people, this causes them to actually to be really disappointed in God, to be really kind of like, "Oh you know this is a really hard thing for my faith because if God is a good God, how can he let the world be like this And I thought you might feel like that yourself sometimes, and it 's a difficult topic, but but you know one explanation is this that actually the world isn 't the way that God wants it to be the, the world isn 't the way God wants it to be. the reality is Is that we're living in a world where there are other powers at work, where there are human powers, where there are demonic powers, where there are spiritual powers and authorities and strongholds uh, that, that mean that in this world, God's will is not always being done. And as we read our Bibles, it, of course, it's not a surprise. You know, when Jesus came, he, he came announcing the rule and the reign of God. You know, in Luke's uh, gospel, uh, you know, read he, he says to those around, the kingdom of God is in your midst. You know, we see lots of evidence of the rule and the reign um, of God in Jesus' ministry on earth. Don't we? we see the forgiveness of sins. We see the casting out of demons, the healing of sick. We see people being raised from the dead. And, of course, because Jesus is present in us through his Holy Spirit, you know, we can bring something of the presence of the kingdom of God into this world wherever we are. God uses us through our actions and through our prayers to get his will done on earth. And yet, actually, it's really clear from what Jesus taught that that actually this is not it yet, that actually there'll be something that the kingdom of God will not be kind of full and complete and fully realised until some future time, until the time when Jesus comes again. He talks in Matthew chapter 13 about the harvest at the end of the age. He, he, he looks ahead and, and, and actually we realise as we, as we read the book of Revelation, you know, we he saw all kind of evidence. There's, there's a future reality. There's a future fullness of the kingdom of God. You know, we, we read um, in Revelation, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. We read in chapter 21, that, that at that time he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things is passed away. And so the message we get from the Bible is this, that, that actually the, the, the fullness of God, the kingdom of God, is something that is yet to come. And actually, at the moment, we, we're kind of living in this kind of in-between time, in between the first and second coming of Jesus. You know, this, this time when Jesus has announced the kingdom of God is, is kind of starting, his rule and reign is, is coming on earth. But yet, it won't be complete until he comes again. We sometimes use that phrase around church life. So it's like The kingdom of God is, is now, but it's also not yet. It's a weird kind of thing. It's an in-between time. And we do see glimpses of that kingdom of God. We see glimpses of heaven touching earth. We see frozen shoulders uh, healed. You know, we see relationships being restored sometimes. We see addicts being set free. We see heaven breaking into earth. But it's not the current experience of everybody all the time, is it? But one thing Jesus does is by modelling the Lord's Prayer... He's kind of he encourages us to be praying for more of that reality in our, our world, to be praying for more of the tomorrow to be evident today. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're, we're praying that God's will, that kind of perfection, that, that the way that, that God wants them to be, that actually we would see something of that in our world now, as well as in uh, the, uh, the world to come. We're praying that actually the kingdom of God would displace all other powers and all other kingdoms and all other authorities now. And then actually he would correct, he would transform all, all that's wrong with the world and he would start doing that now. So in a few minutes' time, we're actually, we're going to spend a bit of time praying together. We're going to be praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But just very quickly, um, here are four quick steps to how, how we grow in praying your kingdom come. These are not my four steps. These are 24-7 prayers four steps, but I think they're really helpful. And um, I'll post this on our social media channels afterwards so you can see it. But four, four things we can do to actually get moving in, in praying. One, uh, get informed gather some facts, you know, to understand what it is that you're praying into, get inspired, engage with the promises of God's word, where he says, if you will humble yourselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven, and I will heal your land. As we, as we uh, engage with his promises that he loves us, so we engage his promises that, that actually he, uh, he is there for the broken, for the hurting, for the marginalized, um, then that's going to really help us as we pray. We want to get indignant. You know, one thing that's really interesting about uh, this, about the whole of the Lord's Prayer, actually, is that actually the, all the verbs in it are far more forceful than we would read them. That actually, really, it's, it's a little bit like this. Come, your kingdom. Be done, your will. There's something a little bit more commanding about the way in which we pray. It's not, actually, it is a request, but actually the way that the kind of, I don't no, Greek, but Greek. But, but actually, I understand it to be that she's a bit more of a kind of a direct kind of forcefulness. So it's like, come on, come on, come on. There's something about letting the Holy Spirit getting us stirred up, letting us be, be those that really call out for that coming kingdom. And then get in sync. Pray with other people. There's nothing like praying with other people. Uh, one of the ways you could do that is come to our 7 a.m. prayer gathering on Zoom um, every Wednesday. It's great to see some of you there on, on Wednesday morning. But we're going to pray. But as a close, I just want to read um, a little section from Pete Gregg, who we heard from earlier on. And um, I'm going to read what he says here about um, prayer. He says, "Carl um, Barth, probably the greatest theologian of modern times, said that when we intercede... We are set at God's side and lifted up to him and therefore to the place where decisions are made in the affairs of his government. Isn't that astounding? Imagine how shocked you would be if the president or the prime minister called to say that your name had been selected at random from a list of the entire electorate to spend a day sharing your insights on a range of issues with his executive in the interests of greater democracy. I'm pretty sure that you'd find time to go. In fact, you'd probably cancel anything and everything to attend. It might be one of the greatest honours of your life. But as a Christian, you have already received an even greater invitation. The King of Kings requests your presence at the very seat of government. He offers you a permanent place on his executive so that you can influence his actions on behalf of nations. It's an unspeakable honor, and yet we're often too busy, too disbelieving, too insecure to accept the greatest invitation of our lives. And so Lord, we ask you today, would you um, help us? We want to be those that respond to that greatest invitation to join you and and uh, Lord, I thank you for that truth that we know, that actually at this time, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding, praying. that We know the Holy Spirit prays with wordless groans. So what it is to join with you in saying the world is not the way it needs to be. We want to be those that, uh, that give the time and attention, that decide that we love others enough. To call on a power that is greater than our own power. To call you to move in power in this world for those who need it most. To see in this world your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.